We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the rookie-to-rookie rookie action outside the through door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back, gets up the shot. Bakes it in This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, and welcome to the Uncontested podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, January 9th on the heels of the Thunder losing to the Denver Nuggets. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the official podcast of SI Thunder. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffen. I've got Taylor Peterson with me tonight. Fresh new intro. Shout out Silva. Yeah, JD made the, new, made the new intro. Couldn't even be on the show. We've also got <laughs> Nick Crane here. We're a week out from NFL playoffs. I'm very, very nervous. Call me or an eyes. Uh, two teens matching up in the first round. Yeah, that won't Big be a ben, game. Patrick Mahomes. Ain't going to be a game. I mean, you would hope so, but with this Chiefs team, you know, there, there's no telling. They might just put me out of my misery first round, <laughs> and I can just focus on Thunder. It's been there. a season. <laughs> who, uh, who do the Cowboys have, Nick? The 49ers, who are not oh, I haven't great record-wise, but they've won like eight of the yeah. last ten. You don't want that kind of team that's like hot right now. So, oh, so okay. they won tonight, Nick? 49ers yeah, they, did? they beat the Rams in wow. overtime. Who, um, who do my Arizona oh, Cardinals oh, have? They play the Rams. Oh, okay. I yeah. have not watched any NFL football <laughs> this whole season. So, Rams, uh, uh, Cardinals would be a lot of fun. I'm looking at this game, uh, Raiders Chargers right now. Yeah, also really, really important one to keep. the The NFL playoff race has just been absolutely absurd, Jacob. Like it's been crazy. Nick can testify. Yeah, I, I <laughs> this the game going on right now. If both teams were to kneel it out, they would both make the playoffs. But if they don't, only one makes it. It's oh, like that's if, true. If they tie, if they tie, both make it. But if someone wins, the other doesn't get in. I, I can't say oh, that. Wow. Uh, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, I, dude, there has to be some sort of back hallway handshake to tie that bitch, and, right? Yeah, it's 17 to, to 14 right now, heading right out of halftime. <laughs> so, there's yeah. uh, 
I oh, jinxed, that, that's interesting. I love that. I mentioned Pittsburgh. I mentioned the Steelers. That Kami are seen playing my team. Yeah. So if the Raiders and Chargers were to tie to Nick's point, uh, the Chiefs would not be playing. Yeah. The the Steelers. I think they'd be playing whoever. And I'm not sure how that's. Maybe that's a coin flip at this point. Yeah. Um, whoever ends up with the better. I think it'd be Chargers. Point differential or whatever. Yeah. Tiebreaker yeah. in terms yeah. of wins uh, against the Chargers and Raiders. But does anybody anyways, play tomorrow night? Not nope. an NFL game. Uh, okay, that's what it means. Game of the regular season. Interesting. This is it. There's nothing. Uh, nothing quite. Oh, like um, the, national uh, championship game. College oh, football true. game tomorrow night. There's nothing quite like the last day of games before the playoffs and the seeding, especially the NBA. Exactly. You just gotta love it. Well, there's um, always the there's always like the uh, the team that busts everything up. The Colts were a shoe in. Yes. All they did was beat the the crappy Jaguars, who've won two games all year, and the Jags kicked the crap out of them. Yes. And the Colts missed the playoffs now. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sucks. And and the Jags don't get the first pick. Yeah. Like they should have. Welcome like, to the Uncontested, the NFL podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump into tonight's game. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about this Thunder loss to the Nuggets. We're going to talk about some tank stuff. We got a lot of listener questions. And I don't know if you guys know this, but when this episode goes live early Monday morning, officially one month away from the NBA trade deadline. So we'll talk some league-wide trade stuff as well. But first, the Thunder played a game tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Last time the Nuggets were in town, uh, they were awful. And their head coach benched all of their starters for most of the second half and let let his bench almost bring them back into the game. Jokic never saw the floor in the fourth quarter. Tonight, you had to assume they'd be a little more motivated, and they did. They won 99-95, but that the first quarter, I think, really showed how motivated they were. The first quarter, uh, my notes here said, was but ugly, 36-23, to and it didn't necessarily feel that close in that first quarter, Nick. No, and that was a, that was a statement, like you mentioned. They, I don't think, if my memory serves me correctly, I don't think the starters played, the Denver starters played at all in the fourth quarter of that, That's correct. that last game in Oklahoma City. So this was definitely a game. Come out, um, prove yourself. Don't don't be slouchy. Don't come out with no energy. I mean, a lot of teams, you play the Thunder, like you don't feel like you have to come out and play. And mm-hmm. that, that didn't work out for them last time. Um, did work out for them this time. I mean, it, honestly, with, with how close the game ended up being, if they didn't have that huge surge at the beginning, they'd probably lose again. 100%. So. Yeah, and Denver shoots 6 of 10 from 3 in that first quarter. Um, I think the, the Nuggets outscored the Thunder by 18 on three-pointers alone in the first half, Crazy. which was really the difference Austin in the game. Rivers. Nick, Jacob, yeah. what game was it last week? I'm going blank. I think it was two games ago where um, the Thunder got off to a really, really rough – oh, it's against the Timberwolves. They got off to a terrible mm-hmm. first quarter, and if they wouldn't have had that first quarter – starting to become a little game. bit of a theme. Something because they to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second quarter, though, the bench comes in. Thunder bench comes in. Um, I thought Taylor just completely changed the energy of the game. Absolutely. I agree completely. Um, something to mention, Jacob, the only quote-unquote backup point guard. I mean, obviously, you can. we, we all uh, collectively considered uh, or consider Giddy and Shea to be ball handlers, right? And, and occasional de facto point guards. Um, there's not necessarily a set point guard on this team, but in the second unit, the backup guard who came in to facilitate the second unit was Trey Mann. 
And I really, really loved that adjustment by Mark Dagnall. No Ty Drome tonight, as much as I do like Ty. Uh, no Teo Maladone tonight. It was Trey who led that second unit. Now, in the first half, it wasn't so much Trey as it was some of these other players. Baisley did have a pretty, continues to to look much better, a little more comfortable um, being the, kind of the backup, quote-unquote, center with that second unit as Favor started tonight with the, the starters. Um, Poku had a, a solid game overall. Uh, but obviously Wiggins uh, continues to really play well. I thought Kendrick Williams just continues to do what he does best. And that second unit arguably was <laughs> the best unit, uh, the best lineup for this team, not only in the first half, but the second half as well, which I know we'll get into. I've got Definitely. a plug. I've got a plug. Um, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just uh, relaying the information here. Um, Post game, Trey Mann was asked about, you know, his performance and the bench playing well. And he gave Kenrich all the credit being a leader on the bench saying before they went in and made that run, he was like motivating everybody saying, we've got to be the spark. We got to turn this thing around. And everyone responded well to him looking up to him and they came in and did it all that to say, if there's any uh, general managers of contenders out there listening to this pod, you might want to trade for Kenrich Williams. <laughs> I would love if, that's, if that was that's an interesting quote though. Yeah. Um, not that's to, cool. not to derail us, already eight minutes into the pod, although you guys had five minutes of NFL talk. Um, <laughs> I mean, there is a reason they constantly talk about how Kenrich is so respected in that locker room and tr- trading him would help the tank and help them lose games. But I also wonder the residual effects of, of what that has on the locker room. Maybe it creates a vacuum where somebody else has to step up and take that leadership role, which would be awesome. Right. Um, but, but it's just interesting. So my notes, then I have, for the third quarter, the defense clamped down in the third. And then my only other note for the third quarter uh, is Lou Dort. <laughs> I, I thought the defense in that third quarter just... The first quarter, they gave up open shots everywhere. The third quarter, nearly everything was contested. I think with three minutes left to go in the game, Denver had only hit three second-half threes. Thunder rotating, contesting everything, um, digging down in the post showing doubles to Jokic and trying to play zone on the backside to to confuse him and pick off passes. I thought the defense was phenomenal in that third quarter. And then for the fourth, the bench continued their great play. We finally started to get some energy. That first quarter felt just like such a drag. And that fourth yes. quarter comes around. Crowd starts coming to life. The fourth quarter was when we got the Trey man ripping the ball out of Jokic's oh. hands and throwing the no look behind the back lefty dime to a cutting Aaron Wiggins for a dunk. Place comes alive, but, and as my notes say verbatim, shit the bed at the end. They as did they everything, should. and then the, the end perfect, came around, and they lost the perfect game. Perfect tank game. Nearly a perfect tank game. You could, no, I, I think Nick tweeted out during that play, uh, Nick, you said was your favorite, uh, did you say rookie to rookie mm-hmm. play of the season? I mm-hmm. don't think I could, uh, don't think I could disagree there. That was mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Like I said, Trey, maybe, um, you know, I thought he was, I, I like I said, I love that move from Dignall to have Trey facilitate the second unit, but it was really the second half where we saw the benefits of that and where Trey really stepped up in that second unit and played well. Continue to be really impressed with him. I loved, loved the lineup tonight from Dignall. And to your point, Jacob, um, the second unit was great. I even had, uh, I apologize, I can't remember who it was that tweeted at me, but said that, you know, if Dignall keeps that second unit in um, towards the end of the game, <laughs> maybe the Thunder still pull off that win, Yeah. right? Because the yeah. Spurs did struggle some tonight. Um, you know, obviously, 
Nuggets throwing in their stars as well. But uh, needless to say that, yeah, the, the bench unit was fantastic. I don't have stats pulled up right now, but I'm sure uh, those lineups had pretty special plus minuses. I think um, Shea, we we know that the team lives and dies by Shea. And when he struggles, I think the starting unit struggles a lot. And I think Great games point. like tonight when he's really, really poor offensively and extremely inefficient, you might be almost better off with the bench unit than there. I, mean, I think we saw that. Yeah, for sure. That is so, a good point. Yeah, one of the first things I wanted to talk about here was Shea's struggles. Tonight, he was a team worst minus 15. We say this all the time, that single game plus minuses are very noisy. Uh, there's not a lot of stats, there. player stats, but, yeah. but still. But minus 15 still feels pretty significant in a four-point loss. Um, he had eight points on two of 14 field goals, zero of three from three. Um, Nick, t- tell me if you saw something different. I felt like Shea was very, very frustrated tonight, and that frustration from missing easy shots early bled over into missing easy shots late mm-hmm. and uh, just really couldn't get anything going. Yeah, it's like um, if you've ever played basketball, you've, you've had this feeling where you can't get a shot going and you try forcing a little bit, try to get into a rhythm. A lot of times that works. You know, you hit a shot, you're right back into it. But if you can't, it just frustrates even more. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got the mental that it won't affect him long term. Like game to game, I don't think it really affects him. I don't even think play to play it affects him too much. Although tonight, I think you did see that, Jacob. Um, but yeah, he he was trying to get things going, and it just would not go. This wasn't his night, and that happens to everybody. Steph Curry at that that game I was at last weekend against Dallas, like he was horrible, couldn't get a shot going. It happens to the best in the league, and it's nothing to be concerned about. But you know, on a game to game basis, like the Thunder aren't going to win many games when Shea shoots like that. Definitely, Taylor. One thing that Coach Dagnall mentioned yesterday, Saturday at practice was the way Shea plays whenever Giddy has the ball in his hand. And I I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but basically said Shea needs to be more involved, more engaged, more active, moving off the ball. I thought that was a really interesting quote because we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. That's what I was going to mention. Yeah. And so did you see anything tonight with Shea and Giddy and that, that tandem, um, that would lead you to believe that that they're starting to build that. I I will say that there is some things uh, even tonight that I see that is encouraging in terms of Shea and Giddy, uh, but not so much Shea playing off ball. What I saw tonight was Shea and Giddy looking for each other, and not just tonight. Um, over the past handful of games since Shea you know has come back from his minor injury that he had there, is is Shea and Giddy playing well better together? I should say, uh, looking for each other. Uh, for example, I think of a play. I can't. I want to say it was the second quarter where Shea drives down to the left block, uh, finds a cutting Giddy to perfection. It was a gorgeous pass and shitty, uh, shitty, <laughs> a great nickname. But um, Giddy has a great pass as well to JRE down low. Although I felt you know it, it got tipped away, and I felt like Giddy should have gone to the basket. There's encouraging signs like that I'm starting to see with them playing together. But to your question, Shea's not playing very well off ball, mainly because there's not a lot of reason to on this team, even if your coach is telling you to. And it's not really in his game. That's a little concerning to me. Um, also, just kind of back on the question you asked Nick, like I, I do continue to be – I think Nick brings up a really good point. It doesn't affect Shea game to game, which is really important. We haven't seen that at all. But we do see it some play to play. Um, we saw the frustration carry into the second half. 
when he's not able to finish around the rim. You continue to see that frustration build. And that is something I would like to see, especially from Shea being the leader on this team, uh, being a really special player that I want to see take it to the next level. I'd like to see him funnel that frustration, come into the second half and be able to, um, you know, kind of explode in the second half from an offense standpoint. I think that's totally fair. I, I want to see Shea shoot more catch and shoots off Giddy drives. Yes. Um, and I just want to see Shea cut whenever Giddy drives more. I, I think there'd be a lot of opportunities there. Um, what do you and, think and, tonight, and Jacob, uh, of his play off ball? I'm curious what you think as well. Shea, I, I felt like there was still a lot of standing around. A lot yeah, of standing around. Um, Nick, I felt like other same? guys cut off Shea drives. I would just like to see Shea do more when the ball is not in his hand besides stand in one place or float to 10 feet beyond the three point line and wait for a pass so he can reset an ISO once more. Agreed. I, I, I want to see them do more Denver nuggets type stuff where one guy has the ball and other guys are moving off of that and getting easy buckets. Right. I, I think that's one team. One thing this team sometimes lacks is, is getting easy buckets. Speaking of Shea and recently uh, when you look at his last 11 games, which will take you back three full weeks, he's averaging 23 points. Uh, five rebounds, six assists, but shooting 40% from, from the floor, 17% from three. 0.9 makes on 5.2 attempts a game. Because that's him and, a great him and Giddy, stat. Him and Giddy kind of whoop. Yeah, yeah right, right. But like, I, I, was gonna, I see we'll, that We'll get to the line. Giddy number in a second, but yes, very much so. I see Shea's stat line. You know, you hear points, assists, rebounds. You think, man, that's solid. And you see his efficiency. And you just mm-hmm. realize how much better I think Shea can and will be <laughs> once this team is contending again and builds a true contender around him. For sure. I thought his defense was was pretty okay tonight. I thought he got got into guys a little bit, had a few steals, had a better few Better in the second half with the team, which I don't think is coincidence. Yes. I do think Shea sure. does lead that. That To Nick's point earlier, does lead that that uh, starting unit on that side of the ball as well. But I think there's coincidence – not a, sorry, not a coincidence – that when they're, you know, they're coming out of halftime and they don't probably uh, chew into him a little bit as he should. Definitely. <laughs> Nick, we continue to see growth from Josh Giddy. What are you seeing both tonight and just recently that really jumps off the page for you with this kid? Yeah, the three-point shooting is obvious. Like he was abysmal early on and it's starting to click. And he said post-game, he thinks that's mental. Um, Schlecht asked him, you know, is that a, Shot selection, is that a time in the gym? Like, what is it? He said in the NBL, he he admitted he was like, when I missed a shot, like, it would really get in my head. It was hard for me to go play to play and, and get into a rhythm. But he said now he has, like, the Thunder's franchise motto is that 0-0, zero, zero, you know, game-to-game, play-to-play, you erase what's behind you and you just go forward. And Giddy's like, adopted that. And he thinks that mentally he's a better shooter because he doesn't get up in his own head. Kind of like we talked about with Shea a second ago. Like he just doesn't get in his own head. So that stuck out. Um, just the rebounding has been absurd. Like mm-hmm. absurd. I like don't elite. have to, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I would guess he's probably, if not the best rebounder on the season, the best rebounder over the past couple weeks, month, you know? Yeah. So let me give you some giddy stats real quick. Yeah. Over the past 11 games, same, same, Time frame that we looked at Shea with for that. That's basically the past three weeks. Giddy is averaging 7.4 assists, 8.3 rebounds. That leads the team, and it's not really that close. Uh, shooting 37% from three on 4.4 attempts a game. 
Wow, his, is... his splits over the past three weeks are 12.8 points, 8.3 rebounds, 7.4 assists. 8.3 rebounds. Do you have how many shot attempts? Uh, total? Uh, I guess it's between like you want totals, not averages. And 13. Over the last 11, how many shots has he taken each game? Per game, yeah. Total shots? Sure. Uh, 11.9 field goal attempts, 4.4 three-point attempts. I was really close. So 11 shots a game. Basically 12. 12. 11.9. Okay. But still. So my question to you guys would be, like, when we look at, like, rookie of the year, the guys that are high volume typically get the nod. Guys that make All-NBA teams, like, you look at Wagner in Orlando. Like he's mm-hmm. having these 30-point nights, but he's, like, shooting a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not my question is, like, how do you compare to, to, to those kind of guys? But in terms of his development, the ty- type of player you want him to be, do you want him shooting more now? Is it concerning that he's not shooting more? Or are you cool with him, you know, chilling around that 10, 12 shots a game? I think that's just his nature. Yeah. Right. I think not only is he an incredibly high IQ player and an, an incredible passer, but I think it is his nature to like only shoot when the shot's there and not force and not ISO. Um, and what does the team need from me tonight? Do I need to go and get double? Not, yeah. not saying he goes out and says, tonight I need to get double digit, double digit assists and double digit I think digit he kind of sees the flow of the game, though, and realizes, exactly. well, I got to hit the glass. Right. I got to set guys up, whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, it'd be fun to see him shoot more, especially with the efficiency higher. I think the I mentioned it tonight on Twitter. The jumper, like, physically looks fluid. better. There's not the weird leg kick thing. Um, there's the not like the better. weird hitch and and lock it and then shoot it. It's more fluid. The, the the legs are staying in place. He's more upright when he shoots it. Like the form looks a lot better, and I, that kind of coincides with the ball going in the hoop more. He right. spends a lot of time with Mike Wilkes in the gym shooting, so I'm hoping that's what we're seeing. If, if I, he... I agree, I think it is. I mentioned that today. I tweeted out during the game, like three of five from three tonight which is fantastic. And that kind of lines up with what we've seen over the past couple of games. Jake, if you mentioned his fluidity, I think the shot is much more fluid. Like you said, I noticed the balance. I noticed he's dropping his hips. He's bending his knees more than the shot. He's not leaning like into said, it. And, it and, right. And his release is so much higher and better. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. He's if more he, confident in it. He's taking it without hesitation. We, we see some catch and shoot. I kind of hope we see more of that from Shea as yeah. well. Cause we haven't. If so he, if he ends the season, or sorry, not ends the season, but like for his career going into like next season, the season after, and shoots what he's shooting over the past 11, which is 37% on four and a half attempts a game. That's a really good player. If that if if he does that, a freaking steal at pick number six. Yeah. With the passing, the size, the rebounding, he's not a bad defender. Like I, I think, I mean, shit, as far as rookies are concerned, I might put him in like the above average category on yeah. defense. Uh, I mean, he's no Evan Mobley, but right. he, the he's size. Been, yeah, the size is impressive. Um, if he can shoot 37% from three on like modest attempts a game to where the defenses have to respect him, you've got something really, really special there. So I, I think what we continue to see continues just to be uh, very encouraging. Nick Baisley seems to be finding a bit of a role off the bench here. I, I come to these podcasts and I have less and less <laughs> negative things to say. I mean, like he had a, a play today where 
he was filling himself and put the ball on the floor, <laughs> tried to drive past Jokic and dribbled it off his foot out of bounds. And, and I mean, it's, that's just Baisley stuff. Yep. But some of the stuff he's been doing off the bench, you, you've been on this for a year and a half now. Whenever this team gets good, he is a bench piece at best. He's kind of finding his role there. Yeah, no, he is. Um, I think the eye test passes. He's he's an energy guy off the bench, exceptional shot blocker. That's what stuck out the most. Um, that's no surprise. Um, I'd like to present you a negative case for Baisley here. Um, I'm not going to dissuade you from that. <laughs> the efficiency hasn't gotten better. I think the first couple games off the bench, he was like really shooting better. Um, so if you look at his last seven games, so that's the last seven games he's played. He was like in health and safety protocols for a little bit. So the last seven games he played where he hadn't started. And I'm just, I'm just doing kind of a rough math here. Um, 10.6 rebounds, two blocks. Again, the blocks stick out. Blocks so that's fantastic. That sounds great. You know, keeping, and the defense might be keeping him in a, rotation right yeah to yeah, your yeah. Point, Nick. certainly certainly and and that's in 23 minutes like if you told me you got a guy that's that's six nine long versatile 10 points six rebounds two blocks a game in 24 minutes 23 minutes sign me up like that's that's solid right then you look at his shooting um <laughs> three point shooting rough math top of my head here i think he's roughly four of 20 from deep over the past um seven game which is like 20 something percent like low 20s from three not four good. of 20 is just 20 percent even yeah. yeah so not good not good at all um from the floor a little bit better like today he was five for nine like that's that's really really good but coming into today he was 40 percent from the floor um the six games before tonight so increased a little bit like 40 40 percent from the floor is not horrible but it's still not efficient like mm-hmm. that's that's the thing with bays that we've always talked about like he he the two things are He's got Baisley plays where he turns it over to something stupid and he's just flat out not efficient. And the efficiency, we've not seen a huge uptick with his bench roll. Although he, the eye test says he looks better. So, Jacob, I'll pass that back to you and, and I'll take your takeaways on, on Baisley over the past seven. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if he's ever going to be efficient. Looking at his, his totals, um, field goal percent, three-point percent, free throw percent, effective field goal percent, all this season, the lowest of his career. Um, just not good. But defensively off the bench, I think he's been a real spark plug. Uh, this season, in 873 total minutes, Baisley has 41 blocks. Last season, in 1,700 minutes, can you guys guess how many blocks he had? 25. You saw that stat earlier today. No, he, he <laughs> that, was, that was that was way too. He broke fast. his he broke his season record tonight. He had forty one his oh, rookie year. Yes, forty one his rookie in. year in eleven hundred minutes. Yeah, twenty five last year in seventeen hundred minutes, uh, and eight hundred seventy minutes this season. He already yep. has forty one blocks. Wow. Forty four um, now. Forty four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Before tonight's stats. Yeah. Yep. Um, his steals are already um at the totals at career highs, um. He's already at the same amount of assists that he had his rookie year. So those things are good, but the scoring is just so, so, so bad. That's now, so weird. Like, I will tell you know. one thing that was encouraging tonight. I didn't like the O of three from three. He did take catch and shoot threes, which were okay. That's okay. But there were a couple of plays where he, I mean, they played him at center 
off the bench right. where he would run, he, he'd be the screener in the pick and roll and he would dive to the basket and catch and get fouled. There was one where he caught and tried to short roll and pass it out to the corner and it got stolen. But you can see the wheels kind of starting to turn on that pick and roll stuff. And if he can be a, you know, a, a defensive matchup kind of guy off the bench who can, um, score not by going off the dribble, but by catching on the pick and roll and finishing at the basket or catching on the pick and roll and kicking out to the other side and reversing the ball. He he can find himself a nice little role uh, on this team and in the NBA. I like that. I think that's fair. The only other thing I was going to say about Baisley, Jacob, as you mentioned, um, his defensive instincts. I just find that so interesting because when you, <laughs> this sounds harsh, but when you talk about low IQ basketball players, Typically, that translates. Say on that again when you talk about what did you just say? Low IQ basketball players. I thought you said little white kids. I was like, that's what, what I thought you said too. When you think about little white kid basketball players, <laughs> we think of. It's like what? Basley is neither of those. I, I was I was trying to like nod along, like yeah. When you talk about those guys, so what? What is he talking about? That's oh, really weird. Goodness. I guess like cut out or I don't I don't know. Okay. When you talk about low, low IQ, IQ, thank you, basketball players. Typically, it's on both ends of the floor. And it's interesting to me that Baisley has really good, or seems to have good defensive instincts, but struggles on the offensive end. Yeah, um, it's kind of fascinating. It to, right. Hey, that block tonight at the rim, Huge. that was impressive. I thought it was Kinrich at first. And then I realized, oh, wait, that was Baisley. And, and then think, po- yeah. Poku splashes the three at the other end. That was the second most exciting sequence of the night. Hey, Jacob. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you have the stats pulled up, I don't know if, the extent of what you have. So since Baisley, or I guess over the last, call it the last 11 games you had pulled up. Do you still have that? Mm-hmm. Who, where, where does Baisley rank in minutes per game? I know that's kind of a mix of him being a starter versus not. And actually with health and safety, it may be uh, mostly off the bench, but where does he rank in minutes per game? Last 11, mm-hmm. he is sixth at 22.1. Uh, four minutes behind Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's at 26, okay. and two minutes ahead of Kenrich Williams. Okay. Uh, after Kenrich, you have Paul Watson, Teo Maladone, and Ugh. Ty Jerome. That would be the health and safety protocols coming through for you right there. Yeah. So, and tonight it was Baisley had 24 minutes, was fifth in the team, which is right behind JRE. Um, Kenrich is right behind him with like 18. So I think that's that's kind of on par. I, I think that's probably was was like the sales pitch to to Baisley coming off the bench. It's like, hey, it's not a demotion. You're still gonna play, you know, starter type minutes. Um, I think I think it gives him more flexibility too. If you're coming off the bench, you can play backup center. You can play yeah. backup small forward. But when you're starting power forward, you're kind of stuck there. I think it. I think it gives him more options. I think they're exploring that too. Yeah, I think they're definitely exploring his defensive versatility too. I mean, you look at tonight, he guarded Austin Rivers and he guarded Nikola Jokic. Two I, very different players. You don't get, yeah, you much more say. polar opposites than that. <laughs> um, last note I have from this game, unless you guys have anything else, um, it just says Trey Mann just does shit, man. Because that's what he does. He just does shit. Trey Mann tonight, um, seven points on three of seven shooting, only one of four from three. Uh, had a rebound, five assists, and two steals. The floater game is nice. beautiful. I've really enjoyed watching Trey on the ball more recently. Uh, the three Agreed. came in the first quarter 
um, right before the the quarter ended, they got a steal and he almost threw one in from Norman. I mean, that one was deep. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. There's something like th- this kid, Nick, I think you said it tonight. He's just a bucket. He, he can just score from any level of the floor. He's yeah. so much fun to watch. There's, there's something there. And again, a deceptive six foot five. Yeah. Very. I'm, I'm very fascinated in what he looks like on a contender one day. Um, there's a lot I of was guys thinking that, that too. score a bunch on these kind of teams. We, we've, t- we are the we're the people that four years ago, if you listen to our pod, we're talking about empty stats and like, oh, someone's <laughs> got a score. It's true. Although his scoring is like pop off the page. Like you you if you watch the Thunder for the first time this year and it's a game that Trey Mann's playing in, you're gonna be like, Who who's who's this guy? You know, I, he, I can he, do he, stuff. He, he pops. Um but on a contender, like like on the flip side, if this if this Thunder team was was pushing for a playoff spot and he's doing some of these like 30 footers and like, you know, trying to street by, you'd be like, well, what are you doing? Maybe, you know, so like it, I'd just be curious to what it looks like on a team that's actually contending well, where it's a little more a little more on a leash. Nick, to your point. Yes, I think that's fair. For example, Poku last season, Nick, like yeah. had a very, very, very long leash last year in the second half of the season after he got back from the G League bubble compared to this season where he's very, very shortly honed in. We're probably, we probably are going to see some of that um, from the coaching staff in regards to Trey next season. But to your point, I think what we are seeing from Trey is that that's going to translate. And the reason we can say that is because it doesn't matter what the competition is 
whether they're playing. Um, maybe the Timberwolves are a bad example since they have been a little better this season. Let's go ahead and use the Timberwolves as an example. You know, the, the past couple of games that the Thunder played versus a really good Denver Nuggets team, even without, you know, the, the players at Jamal Murray, they have uh, injured. He's doing the same things regardless of the competition. And what I really loved, I mentioned this earlier, um, when we were t- talking about this game, it's just they not playing him at that backup point guard. I'm fascinated by that. I really am. I'm not saying that's not going to be his his position long-term, probably. Um, he, he'll probably do a little bit of both, right? Um, they probably envision him next to another ball handler in the second unit with a contender. But I love seeing that. I love that adjustment from Dignall tonight. Um, whenever Trey stole the ball uh, out of the hands of Nikola Jokic tonight and led the break with that behind-the-back pass, Royce, Royce Young... Now uh, I'm officially part of the Oklahoma City Thunder, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Kind of, it's a weird phrase to say. Yeah, uh, after he was with ESPN for so long, uh, Mark Dagnall absolutely loved that play from Trey Mann, and that was before he whipped a behind the back pass. As soon as Mann <laughs> ripped the ball away from Jokic, Dagnall cracked a huge smile and pumped his fist. Mark said yes. that post game. Mark was Mark was asked, He was asked point blank, <laughs> like, "What did you think about that that sequence of the behind the back, the dunk?" And Mark said my favorite part of that play was ripping the ball from Jokic. <laughs> oh, yes. And you can have the Skittles for oh, dessert, baby. Point guard yep. minutes. I yep. love it. I love uh, it. You guys have anything? We've gone for 35 minutes about this game. You guys have anything else you want to talk about this one before we, we, we move Thunder on? Youth. On to the next one. <laughs> on to the next one. They have the, the Washington Wizards on Tuesday night. Who, Interesting one. Interesting one. Wizards beat the Magic tonight in the best matchup of the NBA, Wizards versus Magic. Which came first, a Wizard or, or the Magic? I don't know. It's a chicken or an Good egg point. discussion. That game should always be played at uh, Universal Studios inside Hogwarts, but um, <laughs> you know the NBA doesn't hire me to make these decisions. Let's move on and talk about the tank a little bit, guys. It's uh, Obviously, this is what the Thunder is building towards. So Wait, this week, do you have the tank sounder? Uh, somewhere. <laughs> okay, never mind. Let's it's find fine. it. No, we don't have fine. our it's producer fine. Taylor. Fine. Yeah, put him on the spot, man. <laughs> well, I know, but Jacob has all the sounders. The keeper of the sounders. Loser! You're a loser. And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to. I appreciate you doing that for me. Uh-huh. I also have this sounder. <laughs> Alexej Pokosovetsky. Just in case you wanted to hear that. It's funny because he's he's better than Taylor at pronouncing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can you imagine if the Utah Jazz boys. kid was on this team and I'm like, uh. <laughs> this anyway. week, the Los Angeles Clippers went one and three. The one win came today against the Atlanta Hawks, who are struggling. We'll probably talk about them here in just a little bit. But the Clippers go 1-3. and three. They currently sit in 13th place, officially in the lottery, in the reverse standings. They're only a half game behind the Washington Wizards and the Minnesota Timberwolves, although they're only a half game behind the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. Um, another loss could get them as low as 11th in the reverse standings. So... Nick, let's play a little game here. Um, I forget which nursery rhyme it is. Is it Goldilocks, where you have <laughs> the three bears, uh, too yeah. big, too little, and just right? Well, Nick is getting a crazy look. Too cold, 
just right yeah, porridge. my porridge was too hot my porridge was too cold my porridge was just right. I was, I was raised under a rock, I guess. I would agree. End of the season, Nick. Okay. 13th spot for the Clippers. Is that too high, too low, or just right? Is the question where I think it'll end up? Mm-hmm. Or what I th- okay okay where you think it will end up not I mean, what you we, want we it to know, end up we know where no, you want no, no, no. it to end up no I I, th- I think <laughs> I, I was I was more asking where I think it'll end up versus um like best case scenario kind of a thing okay no where okay. where do you think it will end okay. up is is thirteenth too high too low or just right I think it's just right because Paul George and Kawhi for all we know could both be playing late in the season um. In which case, I think they would rise up the standings. And from what we've seen so far, things are going to be so damn close that if the Clippers go on a five-game win streak at the end of the regular season, they're going to go from like eleventh in the lottery to fifteenth, like in a snap. You know, that's how close things are going to be. Definitely, um, Paul George. The injury was announced on Christmas Day. Would be reevaluated in three to four weeks. Uh, today starts week number. Uh, that was week one. Week two. This starts week number three. So the earliest for a reevaluation would be six days from now. Um, the timetable gives it six to fifteen days from now, and that is to get reevaluated. We'll see what happens after that point. Also, uh, the news over the weekend that Kawhi Leonard is ahead of schedule. It's going to be interesting because if they slip even more, is there a push from the Clippers? Hey, let's not rush guys that have injury histories back. Uh, let's let them rest up and regear for next season. Is there a, let's make a push now because we don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be pretty interesting, but that Clippers pick is in the best spot. It's been all season. I think Thunder fans are pretty happy with it as it currently stands. Taylor, do you think that Clippers pick at the end of the season is 13 too high, too low, or just right? I agree with Nick. I think it's just right. Um, mainly because, Realistically, if it was any better, that's just like really, really good lottery luck. Um, so I think 13 is just right. I, I don't see them rushing those kind of players back, but it, it it's also L.A. and Steve Ballmer who don't really care, nor do they have to. I mean, this is kind of a discussion we've had ever since the Thunder trade away, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. A team like the Clippers don't have to go through a rebuild, right? Like, and, and they have tons of money. It, it doesn't matter if they rush those players back. They can do a restart whenever they need to. They're a big market and they can attract big stars. So with all that being said, I think this is probably just right. I think I would agree with you guys. OKC this week went 0-3. They currently sit at fourth in the reverse standings. They are only a half game uh, better lottery odds than the New Orleans Pelicans uh, who lost tonight. Pelicans are at 14 and 26. Thunder are at 13 and 26. Close. And the Thunder are only one and a half games up in the reverse standings on Portland and Indiana, which I don't think were two teams that we thought at the start of the new year the Thunder would be competing against in the tank standings. But here we are. Uh, They are also three games ahead of Houston, four and a half games ahead of Detroit, and a full seven ahead of Orlando. Nick, same question. End of the season is fourth for OKC too high, too low, or just right? I think it's, again, just right to where they landed last year after the 
coin flip with the Cavaliers. They ended up with the fourth best lottery odds. Um, if you look at the three teams ahead of them in the lottery odds, not in the draft, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, all three of them are, in my opinion, significantly worse than the Thunder right now, whether that's roster composition, culture, the way they play. Um, Sometimes all the above. Yeah, I, th- I think I think best case scenario, the Thunder end up fourth best lottery odds. And so m- maybe that's... Maybe it's not just right. Maybe that's that's too. I don't know if that'd be too high or too low based on the way you asked it. But um, I think somewhere too four, high in terms of lottery right, odds. Right. Too low in terms. Of, yeah. I, I think four, four or five is is likely where they end up. I just I, I think just to add on to that, so you don't have to ask me the same question, Jacob. Um, I, I I think the only team they're really competing with here would be uh, New Orleans. I could see to Nick's point where they're a spot above uh, with New Orleans getting that fourth fourth spot. Um, but I also see like Indiana and Portland are two very stubborn teams. I don't think are trying to bottom out. And so the Thunder would just have to exceed expectations despite Pressy's best efforts for lack of a better term um, for that to happen. So I, I, I think New Orleans, okay, so you're going to be battling for that fourth, fifth best odds at the number one pick. I've been thinking about this, Taylor. Yeah. What if Portland, they're going to be bad this year. They might sit the rest of the season. What if? What if they? They. I was kind of thinking about they that. They say, too. "Screw it, we're just going to see what what pick we get," and they somehow land number one, and they yeah. trade that for a guy that can help a dame now. That that is an that would be a genius be move. That would be the that's kind of what move. Golden State did in the Steph injury. Season. Yeah, one. It's one hundred percent what they did. It but, would be the best actually, move they, they that the Denver. Drafted, they, they actually sorry, drafted the Denver. guy though. They drafted yeah. Wiseman. They drafted. You know they they drafted they uh, still Kaminga. Kaminga, yeah. But but it, I'm saying Portland didn't actually use the pick. Yeah, they I know, I know. And, and they trade that. What doesn't matter who that player is to get. You know, yeah. I think that would be um, arguably the best move that the Blazers have done in the past five yeah. seasons. Yeah, is that fair? Mm, I'm yeah. with you. I think that's a big the Blazers haven't done shit in the past five I mean, seasons. So they yeah, don't, they I don't would, trust they them to be, do it. To, they to would be point. I don't trust dumb them to, do it. to try to turn their season around right now. I, I couldn't I agree. agree more. I think the best plan for them is to bottom out. I couldn't. So which whether, team, whether that's trading Dame and bottoming out, or I don't think that's the case. But out. I could see Nurk or CJ pretty easy. So yeah. which team yeah. above the Thunder is the biggest threat besides the Pelicans to uh, compete with them for that number four spot? Is it Portland or is it Indiana? Portland. Indiana's owner already said we're not doing that. That's a good point. Like they're they're actually like they're trying to win. They just suck. Like they're they're literally trying to win every single night. Yeah, yeah. I'm just that's like the, curious, that's the difference between the Thunder and these back? other teams. Like New Orleans wants to win, Portland wants to win, Indiana wants to win, San Antonio wants to win, Sacramento wants to win, Atlanta wants to win. But yeah, after that, like, and then it's like a hard cutoff, like with four to five teams that like actually understand what's going on and don't want to mm-hmm. be stuck in NBA mediocrity. And Nick, you mentioned it earlier. You know that. Um, you're talking about Houston and Detroit and Orlando. Is it crazy of me to think that Detroit has overall better talent than Oklahoma city? Dude, with like Bull Bull, I, 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 I'm not saying, I'm not saying Bull Bull's like the next savior, but like they hope it up points. They're, they're sorry, making, they, they have, they have talent in Detroit yeah, though, like but they fun suck. Talent, fun talent. And it's, I think that just goes back to, Culture and competency in Oklahoma City 
Hey, it really makes it impossible to tank. Where'd that uh, Detroit guy come from? <laughs> what yeah, do you that's mean? True. <laughs> the the GM. Oh, oh Troy oh. Weaver. I gotcha. I yeah. gotcha. I gotcha. But still, so, uh, like to Jacob's point, they're putting together a kind of a a, a a pretty intriguing, maybe not fun, but intriguing prospect dude. and uh, or product, and they're still losing. Games. Same same with the Magic. I think they got a lot of talent. Like it's also a lot of fun talent. Yeah, I love. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. <laughs> And you got they're doing this without Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, Markel showing up. Yeah, without wow. Markel. And they uh, could have Mama a Paolo. Or, they could have a Paolo or a Jabari on their team next year. That's a really good point. Good for them, right? Yeah. Like, talk hey, about the good news. Doing it right. The good news is, are they likely if they land above Oklahoma City to take a Jabari Smith Jr. when they have a Chuma Okiki? They have a Franz Wagner. They have a uh, Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> Is there a chance they could say we're loaded at that that big Small wing forward, front court forward. position? Yeah. Um, OKC will try to pick back and and we'll take Jaden Ivey and you can but, have. Well, the same thing applies. They got Suggs. They got uh, Full Anthony. They they're they, they legitimately loaded Cole everywhere. That's true. Right young now. talent. That's true. That's true. Good no, point. I, I see Wait, what you're way saying. to rain on my parade, buddy. I see Thanks. what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But the Thunder, <laughs> but yeah, I think, too. Point is well taken. It's the same It's the same situation with the Thunder. If the Thunder fall to four and they take Ivy, I think it just makes Lou Dort expendable. Same thing That's with the, the Magic. If they were to take Jabari or Paolo, I think it makes Jonathan Isaac expendable or you know whoever it might be. I, I, yeah. That's not a bad problem you to have. You get, more, you get more assets. For yeah. sure. So I have a question about the tank for you guys. We talked about it a little bit this week off pod. Um, I don't know how long this conversation will go. We have some some Twitter questions we want to get to, some Reddit questions we want to get to, uh, some around the association stuff. But I really want to discuss this question. Hypothetical. What happens if the lottery doesn't treat OKC well again this summer? Right, We've got to expect that the 2022 2023 season, this team will be better. Shea with another year experience, Lou with another year experience, a 20 year old Josh Giddy with experience in an off season. Uh, same thing with the Trey Mann, a Jeremiah Robinson Earl. We would have to assume that next season, this team will be better than they are this season. Is a tank in 2022 2023 to get a top three, like bottom three record top three odds? Is that possible? And will Presti adjust the plan? We, I, I think all three of us on this show, we know that Sam Presti is committed to building through the draft. That's been very made very, very clear. Will he deviate from the plan should the lottery not go their way this summer and knowing that they probably won't be able to tank and bottom out in like the bottom three the following year? Will he adjust the plan and start trading picks to get in talent and, and current players around this team? Or do you think they're so committed to this style of building that they would be more likely to shop a Shea Gilgis-Alexander, trade him, yeah. and go all in around Josh Giddy? So to your point, or sorry, to, to what you presented, Jacob, I kind of see Nick's face. I love the way that you present it to us just like point blank. Uh, no fluff around it. Yeah, it, it's slack. hard to take our fandom out of it as well. Right, right, exactly. And, and we're all commended to, to seeing Shea Gilgis-Alexander being right. a great player in Oklahoma City. 
So but I like how you how how much do we think Sam Presti is committed to the building? Does Presti commit plan? to the train to the tank, or does he trade off Shea and Lou and keep like a Giddy, for example, and you know, and, and, and see who you get in this upcoming like Jabari Smith Jr. or whoever it may be? No, that, I'm sorry, that's a bad example because if they did that, we wouldn't be in this situation. Um, but to your point, Jacob, it's really weird that you asked that question in our Slack because like, like a day or two prior. I was driving home on my, on my way from work and was listening to a podcast. And I sadly can't even remember what it was. I can't remember if it was a Thunder related podcast or if it was J. Kyle Mann on The Ringer talking about uh, Jabari Smith Jr. But I, I had the same thought. And I, 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 the conclusion I came to was that in that situation, especially what we've seen from Shea and some of the things that we mentioned, you know, just even from tonight's game, for example. I think Presley would be more likely to trade Shea than to push the chips in and try and, and, and get like Ben Simmons types players around him. Now, that's not to say that he will just do that if they don't get if the Thunder land out of the top five this draft. You know, I see Nate, I, I see you shaking your head. He's not going to just trade Shea because the Thunder don't get a top five pick this season. My point is it's going to be very hard this upcoming season. Um, if you say get like a seventh or eighth draft pick in this upcoming draft and kind of have a similar team that you've fielded this this season to to tank again especially when you have a guy like Shea that I think is ready to compete um some of these guys are ready to compete again I just if the opportunity were to present itself especially in that 2023 draft when you have Victor Wimbanyama uh, Amani Bates that's maybe a bad example uh Scoot, Scoot Henderson, Henderson I think Presti may be willing to trade Shea in that situation but there's a lot, a lot of outside variables that would have to happen. Um, I don't know. In a vacuum, I still think Presti might trade Jay. Nick? This team's going to be horrible next year, too. Will they be you, as bad as this year's team? Yeah. I don't think so. I really don't. Yeah. This This is not, I mean... They won't be contending. They won't even be a playoff contender, but like, I think we're looking at a play-in team just based off of culture and player development. Unless you, but, but at the same time, so the question was if you don't get a top five pick, right? So right. you're assuming that Orlando gets a Jabari or a Paolo, and Detroit gets one of those two, and then Houston gets another. Like, so the the guy, the the teams behind you in the in the standings, which are actually better than you because they're getting a better pick, right. are getting solid players which in turn would mean their player development and their roster turnover should be better. So you should naturally fall. I, I Ooh, just see, I disagree. I don't because you I, have young players with those teams, right? Oh, sorry. Continue. But no, like, no, I, I, I disagree just, with that. I, I, that. That also goes back to the culture point. We brought up a little bit ago as well, but yeah, I, I just, I just don't, I barring a massive trade. I do not see the thunder being a good team at all next year. Interesting. Um, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I just think they're pushing it. Like if you take this team and, and then you, the only thing you do in a vacuum again is add a sixth through 10th pick. Um, I think they're better than they are this season. And we're looking at like a, no, I, I agree. They're, be- Kings, they're, they're better than they are this season, but every team around you also good. got a draft pick. Yeah. And I don't know if that fair. raises those team ceilings though, is my point. So you're Even saying if, 
Col- culture's great, but you're saying OKC adds Kendall Brown from Baylor and Orlando or Houston adds Jabari Smith Jr. or Paolo? Culture at that point, sorry. Talent, like, talent reigns. Yeah, but like, look at those players playing on their college team, right? It's like, I don't know. I, I look at the, a team like the Houston Rockets and I think of like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know if adding a, a, a player in that system where he's trying to show out and do his own thing really translates, going through rookie mistakes really translates to winning more games than a team like OKC is right now. And I think that's a, that's the reason that the Thunder are unable to tank like a team like the Pistons or the, the Houston Rockets. And I don't think adding a another young player of, of high talent and high ceiling to those teams affects their win record that much this coming season, as much as it will long-term down the line, if they can build a correct culture around those guys. I don't know. I just don't, see a, world, I don't, I don't see a world where the Thunder are good next year. I just don't see it. And so you also don't see a world where they trade Shay to reset the timeline and make sure they bought see, him out. That, that's where I'm so going you, at with So Shea. you, you, um, as many bites at the apple because we've used that analogy before. As many bites as the apples Oklahoma City has, you also want to hold on to what you know is is good, right? That's fair. Um, we've seen many number one pick busts. We've seen many number two pick busts. We've seen in the past decade in the top five only two or three ever become all-stars. There's always two busts in the top five relative to where they were picked. I, as much as we heard the rumors last year that Presti was potentially looking at Shea for number one to take Cade, like, I I don't know if he I agree. a guy you know is good. So let me clarify and say that I agree with what you're saying, Nick, on trying to think as Presti thinks, and I almost wonder if he wants not only more bites of the apple, but more bites of all the apples so he can find the best apple and get the best or the most bites of the best apple. <laughs> is that ridiculous of me to say? Or it, like, again, I agree with what you're saying. I want to keep Shay, but also let's just make it clear. Last season, the, the talk SGA traded for the number yeah, one that, pick. Like we don't think there's anything to that, but if they weren't willing to trade SGA for Cade, there is no way in God's earth that they are trading Shea Agreed. for a pick in 2022. Agreed. None of those players are anywhere close to the yep. top, three top four top five of last season no um last point i want to make before we move on i know we talk a lot about like oh the thunder should go get mo bamba or the thunder should go get cam reddish or the thunder should go get this guy or that guy and i love those conversations i love for those players to be on this team because it would make watching them more fun but this whole conversation convinces me even more that they are not apt to do that because let's say within the next 31 days, they do go and make a trade for Cam Reddish. Cam doesn't make this team worse, right? But he doesn't pull them all the way to the top. And then next season, Nick, you start to get pulled closer to that seven, eight, nine spot in the tank. And then you're really in a spot where it's a lose, lose situation. And I don't know. I just think Presti is, is the kind of guy to, really want to maximize his odds as much as possible. And hey, one good thing about the lottery now, does it suck that uh, that the lottery reform happened and the, the odds got flattened? Yes, but if the Thunder end at number four, I'd rather have those flattened odds. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, you may, you may um, based on where we're at now, you may like 
the reformed odds. Exactly. If you're number one, you hate the reformed odds. If you're number four or five, you like them. If the Thunder's draft odds last season didn't go sour like they did, we would have a very different perspective. Yeah. Can you imagine talking about like one of Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley? If you you got one in five, like there was a great chance of happening. The whole mindset. Can we not go down this path? It's going to make me sad. The whole mindset changes. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people saw what happened last season and think, oh, the lottery. No, we're not, we're not about that. Like the lottery's bad. It can man, but, but it was one year, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You could be the Pelican. Odds are odds for on. a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> we sent out the bat signal for some questions on social media. Uh, I have them all here in the doc. We'll just grab a handful of them because I do want to do some around the association. Um so first one from at thunderguy69 on Twitter says, is it realistic to consider the Clippers pick in the lottery? I feel like at worst they will be in the play-in and at that point they will have Kawhi back. So Nick, is it realistic to think that that Clippers pick could be in the lottery? Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. I think the plan makes it very interesting because there's always that extra layer to it. Now it's not as black and white as, you know, you finish ninth in the West and you're in the lottery. Like there's this whole chance to play in, even if you're like the, the, the team, there, there could be a team that goes 37 and 45. My math is right. And you go and and you're well below 500 and you're the 10 seed and you still make the, the plan. And then you're not a lottery team anymore. Yeah. Um, that makes it much more complex. So for that reason, like for good or for bad, the Clippers could certainly be a lottery team because they could also end up having a surge at the end of the year and end up with the seven seed and then still be a lottery team, which is crazy. Yeah. So um, all that to say one way or another, yeah, it's it's very fair to actually consider them a, a lottery team. Like they haven't been great this year with Paul George. He's out. Kawhi's still out for the foreseeable future. Like I, I, if they didn't have the Clippers on their chest, this roster is not great. Yeah. Let, let me let me get you guys on record today, January 9th. Let's say that Clippers pick the over-under for the selection that the Thunder get. Let's put it at 16 and a half. Over means it's going to be 17th or or a under. worse pick. Under. Oh. Under. I think if, so if I were to tell you back in July that that Clippers pick would be 16th or a better selection. I would have told you that not only Kawhi, but PG was hurt as well. And you would have taken it in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? I I probably would have taken it preseason too. Honestly. I I I think I would have taken that pretty quickly. Reggie Jackson, role player. Right. Marcus Morris, role player on the Celtics that became a role player on the Clippers. The corpse of uh, Serge. Paul George is their only star. Mm-hmm. Right, it's only Paul Which George makes and a me bunch mad of good Amir Coffee like, went for like twenty five like, today to beat I'm the Hawks. Like, yeah, exactly. Come on, Atlanta, get your crap. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, Ooh. but yes, Gallo like, Gallo make... has fallen off of a cliff. Hey, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. If there's any sort of legs to that Ben Simmons Atlanta Hawks stuff, I'm all game for the Thunder being the third team. Take on that Gallinari contract. Just buy him out. Yeah, collect collect your pick, collect your dues, and move on down the road, baby. You got to do something with that cap space. Well, they got that open roster spot, so they can take on someone and do that pretty easily. Exactly. exactly. 
Let's go to another Twitter question. This one I like a lot from at Poke Koo Jam. He says, should we be more realistic about our current rookies? Last season, Poku and Teo both had five 20-point scoring games, including a Thunder record for Teo. We were a little excited then, but now not so much. Do we maybe have too much hype for guys like Aaron, Trey, and JRE? What do you think, Taylor? I think that's a very fair point. Because um, I was thinking back to when Trey, uh, sorry, when um, Teo was playing all those minutes down the stretch uh, of the season when, when SGA was out. And he was putting up some very good stats. And then there's there they call it a sophomore slump for a reason. But with that being said, the two things, or sorry, the two players that I, you know, we we've talked about Aaron, we've talked about Trey. There's just things that they contribute. That guys like Teo, guys like Poku didn't quite have. And I again I still think it's early to write off Poku. Um but they just they they contribute a little more already than guys like, you know especially Teo contributed last season at this point. So because of that, and, and the fact that they're able to do it against different levels of competition, um, even as they, you know, more consistently, even as they're continuing to show up on scouting reports, I think that's really important as well. So I think a lot of the things that we talk about, like Wiggins two-way versatility, right? Like him being able to shoot from outside, put the ball on the floor, finish around the rim some due to strength and size, uh, and still be able to defend players on the other end of the floor. When it comes to Trey, obviously still trying to continue to improve on the defensive end, but the space creation, the the shot creation is pretty elite already combined with him showing some flashes of playmaking and being able to drive to the rim some and uh, even some catch and shoot stuff. There's a little more, it's all about versatility. And that's what those guys present, I think, compared to a player like a Teo. And, and Poku presents all the versatility, but just can't quite put it together. Um I think that's why I'm more optimistic on guys like Andrew, uh, like uh, Aaron and Trey compared to a, you know, really Teo, but even then Poku, who still can't just try, can't really hone it in, if that makes sense. Teo started like 50 games last year, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's, very, very valid question. I've thought about a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, sample size plays yeah. a pretty, pretty big role. Also, to get us completely and utterly off topic. We're recording this at between like 9 and 10 p.m. on Sunday, January 9th. And I keep flipping back and forth between our stream and Twitter. John Morant is ungoddamn believable. Yeah. <laughs> He's insane, dude. He is absolutely it's insane. Wild. Nick, let me ask you this. The Thunder have four rookies on this roster right now. Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins. Let's say one of them has to be gone next season just for numbers purposes. Which one is most likely to be gone? Oh, that's really hard. JRE. Interesting. I think I'd probably go Trey Mann. I love Trey Mann, but I think if they were to get rid of one of the rookies, it would be in like a trade to move up in the draft. And, and Trey gets he, you further along. I think Trey moves you up okay, the ladder a little bit yeah. more. That's a div- that's a very different question. You didn't say who has the most <laughs> trade value. You well, said who's most fair, likely fair, to be gone. I pick JRE because of the low ceiling. Yeah. That's fair too. That's fair. That's fair too. That that really puts a debt in my he's your bench big with, for the next 10 years. With with your with your theory, I Giddy's most likely gone because if you want to move up, yeah, that's the guy you got. That's right. I think I think they've hitched their wagon pretty strongly to the Australian. 
sensation. Um, let's do a couple more here from at smelly fart box 88, big fan of ours. We love smelly fart box 88. Um, what do y'all think about Jaden Ivy? I, I love what you guys said about like the John Morant comparison, but just that's not the, I, I don't think he's like a great value jaw. Yeah. And, and just doesn't fit. Um, with the current roster that Thunder have already constructed and some of the pieces that seem solid overall for the future, right? Like, again, all of that's still not necessarily in stone, but it'd be surprising for if the Thunder were to take it. Here's a fun question for Nick, knowing how he feels about this draft. Let's say the lottery lands with OKC at three. Mm-hmm. You want the, you want OKC to take Jaden Ivey or Chet Holmgren? Chet. Yeah. Oh! I like it. Hey, uh, I got I got a hot take. Are you ready? Yeah. It's pretty spicy. Oh god. Do I have the hot take sounder on here? Oh, I do. <laughs> All right. Nick took his headphones off because he doesn't want to listen to my BS. <laughs> <laughs> Chet Holmgren has the possibility. Okay, I'm not saying it's for sure. I'm not even saying it's probable. Boo, it's getting at, colder and colder. At his ceiling, Chet Holmgren is Rudy Gobert with a handle and a jump shot. Okay. Mm. The rim mm. protection, the kind of slender big man frame. Rim, rim, rim protection is something He's that not have that strength is harder to replicate as you go up in the ranks. That's fair. Him blocking these, you know, six... Six one power forwards and the crappy league Gonzaga plays in is a little I mean, different. He'd be having and you think about his timing, it reminds me of what Poku does for OKC, right? Like I I, I worry I'm about standing this firm. His peak is Chet jump shooting, me. ball handling, Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I like it. Scares me, but I like uh, it. Uh, I, I I think Jaden Ivey's awesome. I, yeah. I really do. Like, I think he's mm-hmm. awesome. I think, I think we're going to look back at this draft and say, man, Jaden Ivey's probably one of the three best players in this draft. Cause the likelihood of Jabari, Paolo and Chet all panning out is mm-hmm. slim, right? Probably gonna look, we're probably gonna look back and say, man, Jaden should have been top three, but a lot of teams have their guards set, man. That's why this is a heavy forward last season. True. Very guard heavy yep. this season. Very forward heavy. It's a lot of the same teams drafting. Good point. Let's get a couple more here. I'm trying to see some good ones. Let's go to Reddit from, I don't know how to say, Canillingasaur, something like that. Is the Thunder the sexiest team in the NBA? (laughs) No. I thought you were looking for a good question. That is a good question. We got Josh Giddy. (laughs) <laughs> the best looking man in the NBA. Uh, okay. From King I, number 2705 on Reddit. How about this one? Is playing Giddy off ball now officially just a tanking strategy? Not to say that tanking is bad, but the difference in his on and off ball play, as well as the performance of the team in each scenario, is too big to ignore at this point. We've been seeing, and this is something I noticed again tonight. We've been, and I don't have stats to back this up. I don't, just because I, yeah. Um, I feel like we've been seeing more and more in Giddy of Giddy on ball, even with Shea in the lineup. Not to say that he's surpassing Shea by any means in terms of having the ball in his hands, but I think we're seeing 
more situations that Dino is putting him in on purpose where he is the lead ball handler. Um, so that'd be my answer to that. I, I think we're going to continue Again, to see that progress. Play off ball. That's the issue, right? Mm-hmm. They they got to learn to do it together. Exactly. Maybe. Mickey, any thoughts on this? Maybe Jaden Ivey is the best thing for this team then, huh? Ooh. Fair huh? point. Because, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I Trade th- Lou. No, I, I think, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think Jaden Ivey on this team is a much better fit than Lou Dort. Um, yeah. But no, I think that giddy off ball, not a tanking strategy. That's just trying to get him exploring new things. I think both him and Shay, like you guys said, need to get better off ball. Um, I think the way he's knocked down threes, like, is a a good thing for his off ball play. Because if you can't shoot off ball, you're like, what are you doing off ball, right? If you got to have the ball in your hands to do good things, that's that's a bad thing. Um, so I think I think it's more of just exploratory for Giddy. Is the answer yeah. to my question? Last Twitter question we'll take tonight. Um, I just had it. Where did it go? Uh oh, it's gone. <laughs> that sucks. Well, I whenever I find it back on the list. Oh, here it is. At Phi underscore Elson, Kenrich fits perfectly with the Celtics. What would be the trade you'd ask for to make it work? I mean, Kenrich fits perfect on a lot of different teams. But yes, Nick, I think Kenrich fits on twenty nine. Look like you have one already for 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 the Celtics specifically. No, I think Dude. we just talked about the only guy that even makes sense slash interests anybody is Naismith. Is exactly uh, that's the trade. That, yep. Yeah, yep. I don't want Romeo Langford. See, so, yeah, um, I think just not, like they can't sorry. even trade Robert Williams the third. They're not going to. He's too good. Agreed. So, uh, yeah, Naismith, it is. And it fits well with the Thunder. Um, I think the biggest thing with Kenrich to me that's so fascinating is you could attach a pick to him and get a pretty good player like we talked about, like a uh, Reddish or a Nick Nick Claxon, but that just does not make sense for what the Thunder are trying to do this season. Yeah. Very good. All right. I don't want to hear Nick Claxton again, Taylor. (laughs) What did you say? Nick is anti-Nick. Nick Claxton is not a guy worth trading for. He's just not. I uh, He'd be a better base. Th- Thunder liked him a lot in the draft. <laughs> yeah, but he he's shown that his peak is a backup center, and according to Jacob, we have that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Darius Baisley. <laughs> Let's go around the association real quick, guys. Oh, that's the oldest around the association. Oh, old school. I like it. Oh my Good. goodness! No, let's go. I don't even know where you're sitting at. (laughs) Hey, Aaron Naismith is shooting 23% from three this season. That definitely fits the Presti mold. I think that's going to happen. The NBA trade deadline is 31 days away. One month, gentlemen. What are some NBA teams that you want to see or you think should make some sort of trade, make a shakeup before the deadline? I'll kick us off here. I mentioned them earlier in the show. The Atlanta Hawks got to do something. Yes. Because they're bad right now. I mean, they also they, have they, so many players that like fit a similar role. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. They 
I've got one. They need to make a move. I don't know what it is. The Ben Simmons one is interesting. There's a whole lot of other types of things they could do. Nick's got one teed up. He's but ready they to go. Do one. Nick, what do you got? Talking to uh, a buddy that is the Timberwolves guy, and we're in agreement on this one, so I know it's not crazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> Cam Reddish would fit great in Minnesota, right? True. They've got – it seems like they've got – Every they got they got Ant and D'Lo in the back court, they got Cat in the front court. They kind of need like a wing. They have solid power forwards. Yeah, they need Cam a Reddish court. could be the wing, and as such, someone like Malik Beasley could be intriguing to Atlanta. I know he's on a larger contract, so I don't know if you like send back the Gallinari deal, who actually could be kind of fun on that team, or True. I don't know, I don't know how you make it work logistically, but like more broadly. A package that includes Malik Beasley going to Atlanta, some extra scoring alongside Trey off the bench, whatever, and um, Reddish going to Minnesota because it seems like Malik Beasley is like, he's really good and he's a great scorer, but there's so many damn guards on mm-hmm. the Minnesota squad right now that just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think that's fair. I wonder if Atlanta would be more interested instead of Beasley in getting like a a defensive minded guy like a Josh Koji. Maybe that's interesting. That's a good point. Because one I of the Atlanta's biggest problems Josh, is defense though. right now. Yeah, I sort of love Josh. Yep. Taylor, you got a team? I do. I actually have a lot. I'm trying to decide which one we should mention. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about the Celtics. I mean, that's another team. I think that fits a very, very, or in a very similar situation as the Hawks. Um, they need to do something, and there's a lot of talk that should they do something drastic, which. If we're being completely honest, I want to go ahead and call this out. I think a lot of that is uh, large media and uh, even other teams who would profit from the Celtics, you know, trading a player like a Jalen Brown um, for publicity. For Taylor jumping on a conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's right. I I, I, like I, I think it, yes. I think Jeff Phil can't melt still beans. Yes. <laughs> I don't think the Celtics are going to do something like that to that point, but they do need to do something. Yeah, Jason and, and Jalen aren't going anywhere. I, I feel pretty firmly planting sport, my flag there. And they need some sort of playmaker. Dennis Schroeder is not that, right? Yeah. So I'm curious, can they find a playmaker? Is there a solid one on the market? Like Ricky Rubio would have been awesome, but that, that's not going to happen now. So I'm curious what you guys think. Um, I think Celtics need to make some sort of move to, yeah. to help out They need Jaylen a starting and, level point guard, I think. Yeah. Where do you Someone get that, to set the though? table. That's so hard, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's so tough. It's a great question. It's almost like maybe you should have kept Kimba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, who is in and out of the lineup in the Knicks for weird reasons. But balling out when he plays. Yeah. 40-something points. Yeah. Well, double on Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like 40 or 50 the couple nights before. Yeah, I don't know where they get a starting-level point guard and what they have to offer to get a starting-level point guard, but that one makes some sense to me. For sure, sucks with new like new like front office regime too. Yeah, it's tough. Brad has a has his hands full. Yeah, a lot of guy, a lot of those guys. He was like part of their development. Like it's harder to trade them. He's connected to them. Like being a coach for those guys, like you're like a father. You know, for some of those yeah. young guys, it's hard to trade mm-hmm. those it's guys. Different as a yeah, oh, and that's a good point. It's even more different. Not even just being a, D, a GM versus a coach, but being a coach that goes into a yeah. GM who yeah. with the same guys, that's a yeah. really good point, Nick. Yeah. Jacob, who do you got? What do you think? 
You have a team? I already went with Atlanta. Um, oh, sorry. Nick, who do you got? <laughs> he, Nick had the Minnesota one. There, I mean, there's there's yeah. teams all across the board that Except need to make trades. The Trailblazers need to make right? a trade. The um, Raptors are an interesting team that like they just have so many pieces that they could trade. So like make them really, or sorry, I shouldn't say really good. Make them a contender again or could trade away players to make them more of a rebuilding team. I think about them a lot. I continue to think about the Bulls who are such a great regular season team right now are playing so well together, but I still don't trust them come playoff time. Is there a move that they can make? Like a Kenrich Williams, for example, that could, you know, a minor move that's not going to affect them natively, at least come regular season in terms of chemistry, but could really bolster their chances come playoffs. I I Uh, have two fun ones for the bulls. They've been talked about at nauseum. Yeah. We haven't talked about Jeremy Grant to the bulls is a fun one. Oh, and then I heard Stacy King mention this one bulls color commentator. Yep. Um, Harry Barnes, Harry Barnes is one that could fit. What about miles Turner? You already know he can play in the front court with somebody else. He and Vooch in the front court to add some size and you can yeah. go small and, and, and stagger them and play one of them at the five at all points in time in the game. It's a lot of cash money for some centers, man. Yeah. And what's yeah. that? Right, right, right. And what's that's going to cost them? I don't, I don't know. Losing Patrick Williams so it was like a pretty big that issue. That sucks. For them. That really sucks. I agree completely. I think I think Jeremy Grant would fit great there. Why I love it. I, Jeremy I'd rather, I'd rather see them go at Sabonis at that point if you're going to throw oh, Patrick Williams in there. Yeah. Now, like I'm looking at the West, and the team that sticks out to me from the very beginning at the top, the Utah Jazz. Right, like very good regular season team. They continue to be good regular season wise. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.